Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, here we go. What's up, New Orleans, across the Gulf South, and to you listening across the world at WWL.com, the radio.com app. Welcome into the show Day off for the Saints. We'll still talk Saints football, especially hour number two, because well, Bill Barnwell, the very esteemed and respected NFL writer, I, I, there's a lot of really good national guys and gals who cover the sport, but Bill Barnwell is right next to Peter King nationally as far as guys that I just really love to read everything that they write because they're so nuanced and, frankly, they're so right <laughs> right about what they say. Now, that said, Bill Barnwell wrote a piece today about the five NFL teams that could decline and one may collapse. Now, he said the Saints may, didn't say they will, said they may decline and laid out some reasons why. He actually predicts the Saints still to make the playoffs, but declining from where they were last year. He lays out some empirical evidence on why. We're going to get to this in hour number two because I thought it was very interesting to hear that today, especially after the backlash from all the national guys saying stuff about the Saints. Not all, but some of the national guys saying stuff about the Saints the last couple of days. Also, Ezekiel Elliott, the word kind of dropped this morning. I think it was uh, Josina Anderson of ESPN who first reported this, that Ezekiel Elliott will not play this season if he doesn't get a new contract. Well, that's good for the Saints considering they have the Cowboys in week four. We'll get to that in our number two plus our training camp insider series supposed to start yesterday we had some breaking news in baton rouge so we didn't get to it so we got a double dip for you today we're going to start in the afc west we go to denver and then we go to kansas city should be fun that's going to be one of the most interesting divisions to watch in the entire nfl this season this hour though we're going to start with lsu football we've been starting with saints the last few weeks but i think lsu today they deserve a front row. Mike Dettelier is going to come on at 8.32 to discuss a little LSU. We'll also talk Saints with Mike. And also, the, the, the coach show disrespect, a little baffling to me. We'll get to that a little bit later. First half hour, though, is yours. And I don't often piggyback straight off of what Sports Talk does uh, because I know that when you're listening to the station, a lot of people listen to both shows. You want to hear similar but different topics and, and conversation around the Saints and LSU and, and Tulane and the Pelicans and everything. But today, I wanted to piggyback off what they did because I thought it was a really great topic. And that is a question that gets posed to me a lot. And I'll get to what I mean by that in just a second. But if you had, as an LSU fan out there, if I put two options in front of you and I knew what was going to happen and I had some kind of Dunlap magical powers here, and I said, well, okay, fan, I could make LSU go 11-1 and this year but they lose to Alabama. Or 
LSU could be eight and four, seven and five, nine and three, but they lose to Alabama. Which are you taking? I mean, you could go the complete opposite dichotomy there and go, well, LSU goes one and 11, but beats Alabama, or they go 11 and one and lose to Alabama. It's interesting. I posed this poll on my Twitter account at Seth Dunlap earlier today. And about 25% of those who responded, it's actually up to 28% now, out of the couple hundred votes that I got, say, it doesn't matter how many games they win as long as they beat Alabama. Now, that's kind of pertinent this year, considering LSU is sixth in the coaches' poll. They were seventh in Athlon Sports, who released their top 130 yesterday. They're going to be right in that playoff picture, you would think. And I, I believe that 11-1 losing to Alabama is a distinct possibility. Not that I'm predicting that, but a distinct possibility this season. They could still get into playoffs if they ran that table outside of Alabama in the regular season. Now, the reason that I said it's, it's a little familiar to me, this question, you listen to the show long enough, you know that I went to Washington State University, right? Big Cougar football fan. Mike Leach came in about seven years ago resurrected this program from the absolute doldrums, the dumps. I think they had gone 1-11, in 2-10, 4-8, the previous three seasons before Leach got on campus. But the one thing they were doing when they were losing all those football games, they were beating the University of Washington all the time. I think they won five out of six years against UW. Never happened before in WSU's history. Now, Leach gets on campus. And the Cougars are winning nine, ten games, 11 games, 10 games. Big-time bowls, national spotlight, game day on campus. But we have that conversation at Washington State. Well, would you You really are going to take nine wins in a Mike Leach team, ten wins in a Mike Leach team, making bowl games, even though they're just getting crushed now under the Leach era by the University of Washington. I mean, it has not been close. Double-digit losses, I think, four years in a row. has only beat them once in a seven years. So that's something we've been talking about for a long time. And I think it's silly that some Cougar fans want to go back to, yeah, let's go, let's go win three, four games and make sure we beat the University of Washington. Not worth it. Now, the conversation here, it's very similar, right? LSU, they can get back to the national championship. My Cougars aren't playing for a national championship now or anytime soon. So, you know, it's a different elevated sphere. That's JV. This is varsity. But people have that debate. Do you just want to beat Alabama regardless of who else you beat? Would you like LSU to, well, lose to Alabama and make that college playoff and college football playoff and see what happens? Bobby Aber had some interesting comments on this earlier today. And one thing he said was, well, I guess if, if they lose to Alabama, I think fans might they look at it how they lost to Alabama. Yeah, if they're that close, I think it does change the – dynamics a little bit but another thing he said that caught my ear which may be a reverse of what happened in 2011 well could LSU lose in the regular season they're double digit underdogs to Alabama on the road right now in Las Vegas but make that college football playoff and have a rematch so this is what I want to know and I want to open it up to phone calls the next segment because I really want the LSU diehards to give me a call and just let me know what you think here because I want to take the pulse of the fan base the pulse on Twitter of the fan base was about a third little under a third of the fan base says now I don't care how many games they win as long as they beat Alabama I think that is crazy talk but 
only you know 60 well 70 percent of the people agree with me that's i mean that's a majority that's not an overwhelming majority i don't think i guess maybe if you're a you know presidential candidate it would be 504-260-1870 that's the phone number 504-260-1870 our text line is 87870 here's a couple of texts already coming in from the 601 i would take 11 and 1 and beat bama in the championship i'd be satisfied so losing over the regular season beat him in the championship that kind of piggybacks off what bobby was saying Here's a text from the 504. Uh, wake up, Alabama 17-point favorite. No way beating Alabama. I never said they were. Never said they were. I don't know where you heard that. I never said that once. Uh, you were listening to your own conversation in your head there, but not me. Uh, text from the 504. Roll Tide. All right. All caps. Roll Tide there. You tell me, though. What are you taking here? And, and is it just time now that this has happened this entire decade where LSU's just getting stomped into the ground by Alabama, haven't scored over 20 points in, what, 10 years, nine years on Alabama. It's just time, no matter what happens, just got to beat Alabama or you're a little more pragmatic. Win as many games, Alabama's secondary. You tell me, again, 504-260-1870. Text line's 870-870. We'll also have some LSU camp news and notes. Trio of players injured today. First day of full padded practice out at LSU also. This is the last lap. I'm Seth. Logan's behind the glass. Just getting started here on WWL. Here's a text from the 504. LSU just gets as many talent, if not more, than any other program in the country. We produce NFL talent, no excuses, six exclamation points. We should be winning championships. There's that argument. Like fall on coaching, there's a fall on. Fall on the program infrastructure, the instability. Lots of questions about that. We'll see. We're talking about LSU and Alabama, and really more LSU. It's just, it was a great topic on Sports Talk. Would you take LSU going 11-1 and one if that one loss was to Alabama, or you just want them to beat Alabama? 8-4, and 9-3, and 7-5, they beat Alabama, you're happy. You tell me. We're talking about that. Let's go to the phone lines. Anthony in Destrahan, you're on, Anthony. Hey, Seth, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm good, dude. Uh, so probably, LSU eleven and one take I'll take that with the loss Alabama to get that opportunity to come back for them. I mean I think that's all you can really ask for is to get to the championship. You know what I mean? Because if we don't have to play yeah. them, we can get and win a national championship. Yeah, that's that's but, the uh, that's the pragmatic response, right? At least in my mind, I don't Anthony. I don't really understand why people are willing to kind of scuttle the whole season just to beat Alabama. You know? I mean, it's, I understand the hate for them or the disdain. I'm there, but uh. I want to win, you know. It's still you're a loser, one eleven, even if you beat Bama. Right. You're not even right. Right, right. No, I think that's that's a uh, that's a good point, Anthony. What, what are you predicting for LSU this year? Uh, eleven one, ten and two, but uh, playoff. I mean, win the SEC. I think Alabama's they can they can lose. I mean, they're not infallible. Sure. They'll go down to anybody. I just think the biggest deal with us versus them in the games, we I think we play them tighter than almost anybody in the country. Maybe, I guess Clemson's national championship game. Other than that, we're probably playing tighter than anybody. We put our defense on the field too much, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it goes down to the D line and O line. You know, they recruit. We haven't had like a Benny Logan or a Glenn Dorsey type, you know, inside defensive lineman or like a Kyle Williams in a long time. And I think that's. I mean, that's where it hurts, you know? No, it's it's true, especially on the offensive line, Anthony. It's the tackle positions, the two bookend tackles you're looking at right now. Cushionberry is going to lock down that center position. I think McGee's probably your leader in that left guard battle, although that is kind of a battle in camp. 
but that'll be interesting to watch. And Joe Burrow can be as good as he wants. If he doesn't have the protection in front of him, you're right there. Um, it's not going to be it's not going to be pretty for LSU. And and as far as LSU play in Alabama, they have except for last year. Remember, last year wasn't uh, wasn't close. But previous years, yeah, they had been. They've been tight ball games, but almost LSU had played that way, kind of taking the air out of the football, trying to just keep it tight, almost trying not to lose, especially in the less miles there. Here's a text from the 504, and I see this a lot, but this is kind of cutting off your nose to spite your own face here. If they beat Alabama, talking about LSU in the regular season, hopefully someone else can beat them, and Bama would be out of the playoffs completely. Well, from an LSU perspective, just from an LSU perspective, why does that matter more than what you do with the team that you root for, the, the team that you root for, what they do? In other words, it sounds like, and I don't want to put you know words in your text, but it sounds like, yeah, as long as we beat Alabama, they could lose again and they won't be in the high college football playoff and I'd be happy. Well, my counter to that would be, wouldn't you be happier if LSU was in the playoff, regardless of if Alabama is there or not? To me, it's an easy answer, but according to this poll that I ran, the very unscientific poll on Twitter, maybe not such an easy answer. Let's go to Scott and Hammond. Scott, what's going on? Um, how are you tonight? I'm good. I, I, my feeling on this is regression is never progression. They go 11-1, and uh, you, can, you continue building a program from there. Um, they could go, you know, you go three and Seven and you beat Alabama once out of those. They're one of the losses, I mean, wins out of the three games. You know what? What have you done? You know. Um, yeah, it's the regression. I, if, if they start losing, I, you know, if they lose, remember this was a double-digit win team last year. If they only win eight or nine games, that's regression, and you don't want to see that, Scott. No, no, I want to see eleven and one. I'd rather see that any day of the week. And I can also remember the years when they had a pretty good coach at LSU by the name of Charlie McClendon, and he was fired because he could not beat Coach Paul Bear Bryant. <laughs> and nobody else, no one else could beat him either. Yeah. You know? So it's, so it's kind of like, it's kind of the same way with having to play a Nick Saban year after year after year. And you, 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 play, you play at Georgia, and you play you play in Missouri and Vanderbilt every year, you know. Right, and Tennessee, which has just been a dumpster fire. That's their annual East game compared to LSU's had to uh, have this battle with Florida every year. Florida, who's beat them what two out of the last three seasons. Thanks for the call, St uh, Scott. That's good stuff. Couple of notes from camp. Speaking of well, McClendon, T. K. McClendon, the junior college transfer, tied in practice in a helmet today, so he was back, but he's been sidelined since missing the uh, first day of of practice out at LSU camp. They were in full pads today. Three players had uh, really key defenders missed some time, missed the last couple of practices. Caleb on chase on Grant Delpit, Christian Fulton. Coach O said earlier today on a radio program that it's, quote, nothing to be concerned with, uh, end quote, and uh, those players should be fine. Um, you can find those reports kind of online, and, and I kind of agree with that. You see this before, and every little nick and – Naked bruise gets blown up in the social media world. Not all of those are things you need to be too concerned about. And if Coach O's telling us verbatim, ah, I don't need to worry about it, I'm going to believe him. He's earned that from us. Believe him until something um, drastic just isn't right. At least he kind of built that cred back up last year, considering well, he was telling us all sorts of stuff about Matt Canada the year before that that didn't happen. But he's kind of gained that political capital back with me anyways. Let's go to Ron in Terrytown. Ron, what's going on? 
First of all, hi. Good evening. Good evening. How's everyone? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, my comment basically was about uh, LSU. We just need Coach Ogeron just to be aggressive and make a, make a changes or adjustments during the game if, necess- if necessary. Don't sit on the sideline and watch things continue to go wrong if they start doing wrong. Make adjustments during the game. That's where they – I'm with I'm you. I, I'm with, No, Ron, I'm with you. That's an area where uh, certainly against Alabama just in general, I, I think they've struggled more in the Les Miles era than I think the, the O era the last couple of years anyways. But yeah, that, that's that been a big problem. They come out of locker room and just get – it's like it's Alabama, right? It's just the second half you're going, well, Alabama made all these adjustments, especially offensively. LSU's you're stuck in neutral. It's correct, yes. And and if you can, I appreciate if you can get me a sit down with Coach Ogeron. <laughs> well, Ron, I can't do that. That's that's a way above my pay grade. I need a couple more zeros on my paycheck before that's actually going to happen. But I appreciate the show. Uh, earlier tonight on Sports Talk, we had James Moran on the program. Really good stuff from James, who works for TigerAg.com, covers LSU football there. Uh, been around at TigerAg for quite a few years now. Talking again about this LSU offense, and, and we've gotten into this on this show so much. Are all these promises finally of the LSU offense being different, being modern, spreading it out, actually going to come true? I'm going to wait in, until I actually see it. I just meant reference the Matt Kennedy year there. I have too many bad memories about and that was the year we were closed out from practice completely. And I was trying to tell everybody on there, so or other uh, you know people who cover this team were saying, you know, the reason that this is bad is because we're not going to give you, the fans, a real picture of what's happening at practice. We don't know if these promises about Matt Canada were real. Oh, well, they weren't. Now, this year, they're in camp. They're at practice at least, you know, for an hour or so during a media availability. What they're seeing, according to James Moran, is a lot different. And hopefully that doesn't come back to bite James. What he said there, they're at practice, they're able to watch this, and they're not going to waste valuable practice time and a lot of it just showing the media spread offense if they're not going to run it. That's what the difference is this year. The media is actually there to see this happen and develop before the regular season starts. We're going to take a break. Mike Dettelier when we come back. Oh, it's spicy today. I like this talk we're having, and this poll online has kind of sparked some of this where the fan base is split amazingly to me, the LSU fan base on. You take an 11-1 season for LSU, 11 wins, one loss, if that loss is to Alabama, or they go eight and four, seven and five, nine and three, as long as they beat Alabama, you're happy. I thought this would be a runaway eleven and one. It's not. You have about sixty-five percent now saying eleven and one, thirty-five percent saying, and yeah, just beat Alabama. Kind of amazing, but I guess that's what's built up over this decade over in Baton Rouge. Let's bring on in Mike Tillier to talk a little LSU football at Mike Tillier on Twitter, WWL NFL and College Football Analyst. Mike, what's going on, man? All right, brother. I'm good. Let me ask you. Let me just ask you that question right there. You you know this fan base as well as anybody. Are you surprised by that result that I just said there? I, I was. Not really. I mean, <laughs> listen for me. It's not even close. Man, give me that eleven and one. <laughs> right, right. Uh, any day of the week because that eleven and one, and I think would put you in the final four. What the hell does eight and four do for you? Nothing. You want you want bragging rights that you beat Alabama. Listen, uh, everybody here, you'd love to beat Alabama. But if my thing is, if I get an opportunity 
to be in the Final Four and I play them again, man, give me that shot. Uh, but no, it doesn't. That doesn't shock me at one bit. Uh, but then they'd be the first people calling you and complaining. Man, that's all they did. Eight wins. Everybody thought they'd win double digits. <laughs> Believe me, uh, I've seen that mercurial run. And, and that's how people are here uh, about the Alabama game, that everything is so focused on that. And that, that game has meant so much the last few years. But man, I'll take that 11 and 1 in my shot at possibly getting into that final four, and I'll see him again. And you know what? I remember what happened in 2011. That's right. Yeah, a little payback there. Yeah, that, look, that's I think it's certainly a possibility this year. Uh, John Emery, uh, social media kind of lit a blaze when there was a video. It was kind of sky cam from LSU and, and practice today. Emery kind of running away from everybody. I've heard whispers, Mike, and not even whispers. This is kind of open. Forget whispers. This is almost a megaphone that he's been real good and kind of as advertised in the LSU backfield so far. Yeah, you know, I got to see him play a lot, you know, because he played high school football right up the road from where I live at Destrehan, and uh, he, he's as good as he wants to be, to be honest with you. He's athletic. He's a big back with speed. He can run with power. He catches the football so well coming out of the backfield. And uh, Ed does a – go off on people to talk about how good they are his deal is you earn your stripes and how he's talked i did a couple of the caravan uh, tiger caravan tours with him and just hearing early on and seeing early on what he's talked about in tyron price davis and emory you got one heck of a backfield here where emory is tailor-made for what they want to do and on the other hand with tyron you know, he was a big thumper uh, in high school. You looked at him, he was a guy that was 240 pounds, somewhere in that range. Man, he has slimmed down tremendously. Uh, and, he, you know, he's in the 225 range. So not only you got one, you got two uh, with Tyra's Dav- uh, Tyron Davis-Price and also John Emery. So, yeah. Uh, and I think it's something Ed brought up during those tours when we got to – uh, had those conversations sort of one-on-one that he was one is that he was really impressed on, on what was put in offensively uh, by Joe Brady with Steve Ensminger and his short, quick passing game and the utilization of the receiving core and the tight ends with Sullivan and, and getting Moss back healthy and also using the backs coming out of the backfield because uh, Clyde is a tremendous receiver coming out of the backfield and so is Emery. And he really thought that this is what he visioned uh, he, he wanted offensively. And they're still going to be a power-running team, but he wanted that aspect of being able to attack teams. And I think what's going to jump out at people is the pace, how quickly paced this offense is going to be uh, this year. And secondly, Ed is, for as long as I've known him in his for over 45 years, his deal is best man plays. And, and that's his philosophy from when he started coaching in the 80s till today. He ain't afraid to play freshman. And we saw a glimpse of it in the spring with Tarek, uh, Derek Stingley and Apu Aika at nose guard. Now, Apu will probably, you know, he's going to alternate with uh, Tyler Shelvin to see who starts, but it doesn't really matter. They'll alternate. And Derek Stingley's going to be the other starting corner, but also your punt returner. And that's the one area he really felt um, just they hadn't hit. He thought Giles was going to be the guy. It didn't work out. 
They tried some other guys there. Still, um, it didn't work. And we kind of have a little deal between the both of us about a player. And he said, Mike, like you always say, he's elite. He's elite (laughs) as a return man. And so uh, that part, but it's the other guys too, because it's Cade York as a place kicker. They've got a bunch of young guys at the cornerback spot, not only with Stingley, but you look at some of the other guys, if it's Rodarius Jones from Mississippi, Cordell Flott uh, from the Alabama area. I mean, on and on, those guys, and he has talked very highly of his two young offensive linemen, and Anthony Bradford from Michigan, and uh, Cordell uh, from the Baton Rouge area, who's uh, nursing an injury right now. But you can kind of go on. He, he's going to play freshman and in significant positions this year, despite the fact that um, they are absolutely loaded on defense. And so you, you can see, I think he's got the defensive line where he'd want to have it today. And then he's got that group coming in next year, which is really strong. I think he's, there's still a little bit of a building along the offensive line that he would like to do, but it's, it's getting there. And funny said this, the first conversation we had, he got the job on a Saturday. Him and I got to talk for a while on the Sunday. And he's like, we need a big-time quarterback. And he said, I'm not even debating that. And this is pre-Tua Tungvaloa. He's like, you know, you look at the quarterback situations, that really hasn't been the difference between us and Alabama. What's been the difference is we got beat up in the trenches the last few years. And we got, if we don't get better there, we're going to continue to fall back. And I think he's done a really good job supplementing uh, that talent and the depth along the defensive line, and he's getting there on offensive line. I'm talking to Mike Dettelier, at Mike Dettelier on Twitter about LSU football. You mentioned the LSU offense and the backs out of the backfield, the short intermediate passing game they're working on, and the pace of play. Mike and, of course, Joe Brady, coached with the Saints, an offensive assistant there now with LSU. That that sounds a lot like that Saints offense. Mike, are we actually going to see that transition finally with LSU kind of coming out of the Stone Age offensively? Yeah, because what you saw in the spring, I saw more – plays drawn up at junior high school games than what they showed you you know you go to the practices it's a totally different situation and you know you I see it and it's going to be a different thing but the one thing that jumped out at me was different is the pace the fast quick pace of the game and Ed brought it up to me that look at games we didn't play well it was against offenses like that and he brought up a couple years back when they didn't match up well against Troy and got beat. And Syracuse, where they almost got beat, quick, pass, uh, fast offense. Mississippi State that year really <laughs> spanked their backside. Uh, last year, even with Florida not handling the RPO system really well. Um, and so I think he saw that he needed to make a change. And he wasn't hard-headed about it. He knew he had to do it. And so what Joe's brought to the table I think fits well but, Seth, bottom line, they got the guy that can do it at quarterback. That's the big difference. Man, you can talk about all the schemes you want. If you don't have a guy that knows what he's doing with the football, then it's worthless. So I think that Joe is the right guy for that offense. And when you look back at what Miles Brennan did at uh, St. Stanislaus, it's a similar type offense. And it's what Peter Parrish ran in high school. So, um, I think he found the right fit here uh, in, in what he wants to do offensively. But 
as much as we talk about Louisiana being DBU and LSU being DBU, uh, Archie Manning and I had this conversation. I'll look back in the last five years. There's been 45 Division I scholarship players from the state of Louisiana at wide receiver. Man, so utilize the talent that's all around you. You see it everywhere. And so I think that that's a big part of it, too. He knows he's surrounded because the game in high school has dramatically changed in high school football in the state of Louisiana where you see – a lot of the spread offenses and, and the utilization of the wideouts, much more than, say, back, you know, we played back in the 70s. Uh, Mike, you mentioned DBU, so I've got to hit on it here. And Coach O, even, you know, in his stand-ups at the podium, has talked about this special group. I mean, you got Christian Fulton, you got Grant Delpit, who should be a top 10, if not top 5 pick. Uh, you've got uh, Derek Stingley, the freshman. As much talent there, maybe, as you've ever seen in that de- defensive backfield, Mike? Uh, it's right at the top if it ain't the best. Uh, he shocked me last year. This was about a week before the opening game against Miami. And um, he was talking about Delpit, and who, who had got hurt, remember, in the spring, hurt his shoulder. And he had come back from the injury, and he's like, I've never given a player more leeway in the secondary to kind of freelance like I have done with Grant this year. And, and then he said, listen, let me take that back. He said, I did once uh, for only one player. He said, I had Troy Palomaro, remember, at USC? <laughs> and I'm saying, yeah. okay. So he said, Mike, they're different players. But he said, I'm telling you, if there's a guy that's going to tilt the field for us, he said, it's Grant Delpit. He said, he can cover, can play to run well, we can blitz him off the edge. And I'll tell you what, uh, so they got another young man that I think when, you know, Grant's going to hang it up after that final game. Uh, that's going to fit those shoes real well, and that's Marcel Brooks from the Texas high school area, a true freshman who looks a lot like uh, the young Grant Delpit. Yeah, I heard a lot about him. 6'2", 194, has size, real fast back there, big instincts, really like him as well. We'll be watching him. Uh, talking to Mike Dettelier, WWL NFL and college football analyst. Mike, got to ask you about the Saints real quick here. I want to stick with the young players. And some guys that are shining at camp we didn't see coming. I'm wondering if you did and what you're seeing from Emmanuel Butler. Saquon Barkley is now kind of the talk of the camp defensively. He's outshining um, Chauncey, now C.J. Gardner-Johnson and some of the other young guys back there. Uh, special stuff from some young players for the Saints that, again, we just didn't quite think would would stand out like this? Well, to me, the biggest difference in this training camp than the others under the Sean Payton time frame, the defense. Says we were out there, it was like pinball football. I mean, the offense, bang, 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 down the field. Down the field. Constantly. It's not that way anymore. It's a lot of give and take. And the defense is in there. And it's been the accumulation of the young talent on defense. And you're right about uh, what Hampton has brought to the table. He, he was a ball hawk, and I'm still shocked he lasted as long as he did. And Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I'm telling you, when your lights are going to come on, he's going to play. They really hit on those two guys, and they will play significant time and, and in role positions on this football team and also help on special teams. But you know who I think is the most improved player, technique-wise, footwork-wise? Eli Apple. Mm. Man, you watch him. Aaron Glenn has done a really good job of sort of tinkering a little bit with his technical skills. And he's not as grabby as we've seen in the past. And his ability to mirror that receiver, he's done a really good job. 
He's worked a little bit on the back pedal and everything else with him. Really, really impressive there. So, uh, man, I like what I see defensively, and we, we don't see a lot of it in pads. But, man, Malcolm Brown. And, and listen, I think a lot of Tyler Davidson, he gave you everything he had, and he was a solid player. Malcolm Brown's a difference breaker in the middle. He is a huge man that can clog up the running game, and I thought that was the untold story last year about this defense. Uh, in 2017, they gave up 4.4 yards a carry. Last year, 3.6. That's a big difference. People say, oh, they threw the football more on them. That's the reason. Okay, they threw the football 19 times more in a 16-game season. So give me another explanation. They did a really good job stopping the run and putting teams in more longer down and distance situations on third down. And I do think the acquisitions of a Demario Davis, of a Malcolm Brown, along with the young guys and the secondary, just looking at it, this has more talent, more depth than any other time in the Sean Payton era in the secondary. We haven't seen this type talent and this type depth in the secondary like you see today uh, with the Saints secondary-wise. So I've been impressed uh, on that part. And so um, we'll, we'll see. Um, I want to see the young kids when the lights come on because, you know what, that, that's what it's all about. Yeah, you and me both, brother. That's Saquon. Apparently I did it again. Saquon Hampton, not Barkley, obviously, getting my, my wires crossed uh, here. He's Mike Dettelier, at Mike Dettelier on Twitter, WWL NFL and college football analyst. Mike, appreciate the chat, man. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Seth. Appreciate it, bud. All right. Give us a call if you want to weigh in. Saints LSU. We'll go to those phone lines when we come back. 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. The last lap continuing on WWL. I see Big Cats back at LSU. The man-on-man drill at LSU Football on Twitter. Tweeting out a video from it. Cody Worsham, our buddy, who was involved with that video. Great video. Go check it out again at LSU Football. In pads today. Again, you had those three defenders out, Chase on Delpit and Fulton. Just minor injuries, says Coach O. Nothing to be worried about. To the phone lines we go, Jason and Destrahan. Thanks for holding on, Jason. What's up? Hey, how's it going tonight? I'm good. What's up? Look, uh, about the uh, poll question you had placed earlier about the LSU record. Yeah. Um, as it, I mean, as the question is written, obviously I would love to see 11-1, and one, but I would kind of frame it a different way, and I think you can understand where people are coming from who vote the other way. Let's say eight and four, nine and three, those three losses are to Auburn, Georgia, and Alabama. All of them one possession games, really close, down to the wire, could have gone either way. You could make a case that LSU is really close at that point to overtopping and and, and uh, overcoming the demon that's Alabama and the SEC gauntlet that they have to face every year. On the flip side, if they go 11-1 and one and get blown out by Alabama 40 to nothing, I mean, does it really feel like that the team is getting better as opposed to being the elite of the elite, even if they're a Final Four playoff team? If they have that blowout loss to Alabama, I could understand fans saying, well, yeah, we're 11-1, and one, but are we really any better? And that, I think is a question that fans are pondering when answering that poll. So let me ask you now, this, Jay. Let me ask you this, Jason. So you're saying, if I heard you right, 11-1 and one in the playoff, but at a loss to Alabama, a blowout loss to Alabama, you're not happy with. So it is the only standard no, no, for – I said it. I said it. I said it right from the beginning, that I would take the 11-1. Okay, one. okay. The question is, would LSU actually be getting better? 
I think they would be. I mean, I mean, if they're in that college football playoff, don't you think they would be getting better? Yes, I agree with you. But then the point isn't to get to the Final Four. The point is to win the whole thing. Sure. And if the point is to win the whole thing, getting blown out by Alabama doesn't get you any closer to that goal. Yeah, well, I guess and I understand your point. I do understand your point. Like, not every 11-1 and is equal. With Alabama's schedule this year, if they don't go at least 11-1, and uh, I'm kind of scratching my head going, why? So I do get that point. Not a lot of 11-1s are equal. But if LSU is in that Final Four, I mean, it's steps, man, in my mind. That's steps. New Year's Six Bowl last year, this year projecting if they're in that college football playoff. I mean, that's progress to me no matter how you frame it. Thanks for the call, Jason. Let's go to Joe in Mandeville. Joe, what's going on tonight? Hi. Hey. First of, yeah, first of all, the arrogance of thinking you're going to go 11-1 and one and you get in the playoff. You've got to beat Alabama or else you're not going in the playoffs. Well, you, now, Joe, I'm going to stop you there. You've done this before. It's not me. It's not me. It's LSU. Don't say me. <laughs> well, that's just, and then guess what? The fan base is going to be sorely disappointed. You guys hype this beyond belief. Okay, now let's talk about Delpit. Go look at his box scores. He has big games against lesser talent, and when the big games are on the line, he is nowhere to be found. There is no way he's a top five pick. Grant Delpit? Joe, yeah. Joe, you're I talking about Grant Delpit? You, this man is... He disappears in big games. Go look at the box score. Well, and and plus, he doesn't field punts. I, well, not every safety's got to field punts. I don't know where that came from, That's Joe. why you draft cornerbacks and safeties if they field punts, if they've got some kind of offensive prowess. He has none of that. Well, hold on. Jamal he Adams. Too, well, hold on. Jamal Adams wasn't catching and receiving punts at an elite level. At all. I can't remember it at all, I think, right? So, what are you talking about here? He was a top 10 pick. Where was he? He was Where a top was 10 he? pick. He, he went to the Jets. What pick? Well, I think four, right? No. <laughs> go look. Bye. All right, Joe. Uh, I'll go look. I think it was four. I could be wrong there, though. That was off the top of my head. I'll go check during this break. We'll be back. Uh, what do you think, though? Look, Grant. I don't know where the Grant Delpit came from. I was going to give you one on the hype because you're right. We are building it up a lot, so they fall on our face. You'll have every right to come and – Kind of talk a lot of smack. Although, I haven't picked that LSU-Texas game yet, Joe. I haven't. I heard on Sports Talk today all the guys saying it's going to be a double-digit blowout. I'm not there yet. 504-260-1870. Text lines 870-870. The last lap continues on WWL. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, look, Joe in Mandeville, if you're going to call me out, you got to bring it, man. Jamal Adams was pick six. Number six in the 2017 draft, and he never returned any punt or kick in college, like I said. He was a top 10 pick, not four, but six. Come on, man. You're going to call me out like that. You got to bring it. No wonder you hung up. Going live on Facebook right now. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.